Good morning. Our Bible reading is from John 6, verses 1 to 15, and it is Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how, how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Here ended the word. Good morning, everybody. And thank you for the Bible reading. And yes, this is God's word. Hopefully a familiar passage to lots of us here. But something in God's word I'm hoping and trusting is going to be more relevant than feeding 5,000 people. Hopefully you don't have that many coming, knocking on your door for dinner today or for lunch today. It could be a bit overwhelming, what do you say? Yes. But there they were, having a time of testing, a time of trial. I suppose that's what life is all about, isn't it? I mean, each new day brings with it opportunities. Each new day is something that perhaps if we look at it through God's eyes, would say, well, that was a bit of a test or that was a trial I just endured. And sometimes, of course, it's a temptation as well that uh, comes along. So tests, trials, temptations, what's new in the Christian life? Well, that's how God builds faith. That's what it's all about. So here we have the situation and we look at situations and we look at circumstances and we interpret them from our own understanding and we sort of have our lens and we sometimes look but we don't see we we look and we see 5000 people but we don't see what god's actually wanting to do with that situation so circumstances may sometimes look totally overwhelming and the odds look like they're against you but that's what you're looking at but what does god want you to see what does god want you to see in those circumstances well we have a, a few interested parties in this passage here. Philip, Andrew, and a young boy. Now, the young boy doesn't say much, but Philip and Andrew certainly do. 
But here's Jesus. He sees this crowd, and they're coming up, and he's been on the hillside, and he's been talking to his disciples. And it tells us, of course, that the Jewish Passover feast was going to be near. And whenever there was a feast coming up, this is quite significant. John brings this out in his particular passage here. But whenever there was an opportunity for God's people to gather, as even right now, Jesus was going to start to do some teaching and proclaiming things that will bring them a bit more insight into who he was and the whole idea of who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God come down from heaven to earth to lead his people into life and victory. And so Jesus took every opportunity, and the Passover was certainly one of them. So what's the main theme here going on in this passage? All about bread. And what will Jesus be teaching later on? If you go reading on into the scriptures, Jesus will stand up and say, but I'm the bread of life. And people will say, you are what? Now, if they had come back a little while and been part of this teaching scenario, they probably would have gathered again that it's not physical, it's a spiritual thing that was going on here. The Passover feast was near, and Jesus is using every opportunity to reveal his mission from heaven to earth. And what was that mission? Remember John's Gospel, a few chapters earlier, chapter 3, verse 16? Most of us who've been anywhere around John's Gospel, 3.16, would remember that it's God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Yes, he gave it up. He's gave up his life for you. He gave up his life for you so that he could give life to you. How does that work? He gives up his life so he can give it to you. Why? In order that he can actually live his life through you. So he gave up his life give it to you so you can actually live it through you and that's what Jesus is trying to bring here in this teaching he's saying watch me see how I deal with the situation because I want to live my life through you in such a way that one day if you're confronted with a, an enormous situation like this or a task beyond your control I'll be able to work through you live my life through you that's the work of God's Holy Spirit living Jesus life through you the life of faith, the life of trust. How do you reckon Philip was doing in that particular circumstance? Jesus looked up, saw this great crowd coming towards him. Now, if I were to tell you that Jesus said, Philip, where are we going to get enough bread to eat all, feed all these people? And you would have thought, what's the matter, Jesus? It looks like you're out of control here. Don't worry. If I had meant that sort of thing, you would have said, Jesus doesn't know what he's doing, and he's going to panic, and he's going to run away from the crowd. Uh, but no, Jesus calmly, calmly says, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, what's the difference? Well, the one sort of suggests yeah, everything's under control. The other way I pronounced that particular um, question was like, no hope here, let's just run away from this crowd and make it as though they didn't even exist. We're just let them go home. And that's half the time what the disciples are saying. Let them go. Let them go. Just dismiss them. This is too much to handle. Jesus is totally under control here. But I like the question that he asks here. He doesn't say, Philip, where are you going to now get uh, bread to eat, feed all these people? No. He says, where will we? So, Jesus is involved in the process. He has a plan. 5,000 hungry people as seen through Philip's eyes, well, Philip, 
I'm sorry, but the way you actually answer this question probably tells me that you haven't quite passed the test yet. The way Jesus says, he asked this only to test Philip. He already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip's response was, eight months wages, or it says here 200 denarii, would not be enough bread to have each one give a bite. Now, fast track. Philip's gone through all this time of testing and trials, and he's come through on the other side. Listen to Philip's response now. Well, Lord, I see we've got 200 denarii, and I realize the crowd is much bigger than that, but with you, all things are possible. Mm, it didn't quite come out that way now, but hopefully trusting somewhere down the track when we see what we've got in our hands. God's able to multiply. He's in the business of multiplying what we have in our hands, but guess what? You hold on to it, God can't use it. You let go to God, and he'll say, thank you. I can use that. Watch me and see. Jesus, Jesus himself, he'd been tested. I don't know if you remember the story. Back in uh, Luke's Gospel and Matthew, Jesus was sent into a desert with nothing. Pretty much like what these guys are on about here. They're out in the circumstances beyond control. And in that desert, he was hungry. And Satan comes to him and he says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Why are you hungry? Just do what you know you can do. But Jesus realized the time and the process wasn't right. It's all in the timing and it's all in the process. Let God have his time and he will show you the process, how he's going to deal with your situation. And when he, Jesus uh, taught the disciples as well about the prayer, he says again, give us this day our daily bread. Daily. That's what it's all about. What happened this morning? Well, you looked and there was enough food for breakfast, hopefully. And uh, maybe tomorrow will be the same. But God's in the design business of making sure that we don't sort of reach too far, too soon, too fast. Just daily. Ask the Lord. Daily bread, you promised. Daily bread is all I ask for. And God is able to supply. Well, here was a need. This was the day. 5,000 people, they are getting hungry. Lord, if you're going to answer our prayer, let it be today. But Philip, Philip's one of those sort of guys, and he looks at the situation, and he's the sort of fellow who will say, you show me the money, and I'll believe it. Now, we often hear about Thomas. Lord, show me your hands, show me your side, and I'll believe it. Well, actually, Philip, pretty much in that same mold as well. Show me, and I'll believe. And that's not always the way God works. Sometimes God will hold it and hide it and just say, believe me, it's available. calculating mind only 
believes and what they can see. And actually, that, that's sort of what Satan probably prefers that type of thinking as well. Call it narrow-minded. If I see it, I'll believe it. But have you heard a verse in 2 Corinthians that says that we walk by faith and not by sight? So what does it mean? Well, you can't always see what God's going to provide, can you? 200 denarii sounded pretty good if that was what was in the cash register there. But between 5,000, not a hope. Never going to work out. Jesus didn't ask, have we got enough money? He knew pretty well how much money was in the treasury. He also knew pretty well who was taking money out of that treasury, but that's another story. We will get caught. But there's this positive affirmation that people need to be fed and God will provide. That's what it's all about. And, you know, it's interesting uh, what was just shared there. Thank you for those uh, testimonies as well. But even we, Linda and I, had a time when we, we knew that God had to provide because in the realms of what we had in our hands wasn't enough. Back in 1986, we had actually decided rent our house out, go and live on site at a Bible college in Cape Town. We had enough money, we believed, to get us through the year with all the courses paid for. But guess what? You can plan ahead as best as you like, and there's always something that's going to chop a little bit and chunk a little bit out of your reserves there. And uh, many a time, and Linda will tell you the story, I don't know how many meals she concocted out of a little tin of tuna like this. Um, kept on, kept on, kept on. But we had this thing, so much cash for the year, and we thought we were going to be fine. Never happens that way. We weren't the only students. There were about 60, at least 60 students on campus that year, and many of them came by faith as well. And what Jenny was saying about is the story of faith. When you know God's leading you this far, how will he provide? And there was this sort of, call it a mysterious way in which God provided and he would bring monies into the Bible college there and people would put cash into envelopes. And on numerous occasions we'd heard of students saying, I'm on my last, I'm on my last. And we'd say, have you checked the letterbox? No, I haven't checked the letterbox. Go and check the letterbox, you never know. Oftentimes there'll be cash in an envelope in their letterbox. God came through every time. So there it is, you know, we do with what we've got and we believe what we've got is going to help us but we have to trust God to basically supply what's missing. And here it was, there's things missing. Jesus was testing Philip that we live by faith and not by sight. He told them to go out, have a look and see. Jesus had a plan. Uh, the one verse you really need to put to heart here is John 6, 6. John 6, 6. If you don't remember anything else, think of this, that when Jesus asked Philip, where shall we do this? How shall we do this? He had in mind to test him. But here's the beauty of this verse. For Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. For Jesus already had in mind what he's going to do. I think that's pretty reassuring. In other words, already right now, in the circumstances that you're in, Jesus already has in mind what he's going to do. Sovereign God knows the beginning and the end. Knows exactly what he needs to do, when he needs to do it, and how it's going to be. Can we live a life like that, knowing that life is full of testing? Can we also live the life on that other side that sort of says we know 
God has already in mind what he's going to do. We just have to believe in the sovereignty of God. We just have to. We just have to believe that he knows the beginning and he knows the end. He knows all the bits in between as well. And whatever it is that you're going through, the word is through. It's not the end. It is through. And here was Philip. He could only see so far. And faith sort of said, well, I can only believe what I see. Jesus says, believe what you don't see. Andrew. Philip and Andrew actually go together. They, they come together later on in, in chapter 12 as well. So they had a thing going. But mind you, they, they lived in the same town, Bethesda as well. And um, here comes Andrew. Now he's gone and he's been obedient. Jesus says, go and find what's out there. And Andrew says, here is a boy. And he's got five fish. And, and I say that with emphasis, and two fish. Now, this is now a banquet. Bread, okay, we can cope with. But, and two fish. Now we're talking feast. Did you hear that word that he actually mentioned here? Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And the next word is, but. But. But here's a polite way of saying it. Don't but God. Does that make sense? See what's happening, but God. It's not part of the same equation. You don't, but God. Ah, can you hear the despondency? Can you hear the despondency? Lord, I've been through this 5,000 crowd, and all I've found is a young boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Fast forward, Andrew, a few more years. He's had the same situation again says, Lord, guess what? I found the five bread, loaves of bread, and two fish. Isn't that good news? What are you going to do with it? Oh, we wish, we wish we had responses like that every time things weren't going quite well. That's the response of faith. See what God's got in hand here? It's all going to happen. Stretch in faith, well, yes, it's tested when we have so little, and we expect it to do so much. But somehow, trust and faith in God's provision only develop in situations that are out of our control. Absolutely out of our control. Do yourself a favor. Don't try and convince yourself of things that are in God's control. This was a God moment. Let God be God. Release the urge to control. Quite simple. So, got your five loaves, got your two fish. Here's the boy. Now, Andrew could have come along and met a boy over in the crowd and he said, hey, give me your five loaves and two fish. I want to give them to Jesus. I got this sort of picture of this boy saying, this is my lunch. Some lunch. I will go to Jesus. You just take me to him. And then we'll see what Jesus has to say. Because at this stage, I have this picture of a young boy standing next to Jesus. And he's got his little lunchbox there. And um, Jesus is probably saying, well, thank you very much. Um, we're now directing everybody to sit down properly. And whatever you doubted about the situation, well, have confidence. Just let it yield to confidence that whatever's going to happen now is under control. And God's pretty methodical. He will get people situated in little boxes, as they were, of seating down. He sets the multitude in, in places where it can be done. And he said, here's a boy... And I just wanted to get that expression again about childlike faith. 
and I just had this sort of picture that there's this young boy looking into Jesus' eyes and Jesus' eyes saying, wink, trust me on this one, kid. Watch me, showtime. And um, Jesus will take those five loaves from the two and the two fish from the boy. And Jesus took the loaves and he broke them and he gave thanks. I believe he gave thanks to the boy and I believe he gave thanks to God. You know what this word thanks is? Some of you may remember it as being Eucharist. When's the last time you heard that word being used? Not in a Baptist church, but guess what? It's the word in Greek. And it all it means is giving thanks, just saying thank you God for providing. That's what Eucharist is all about. It's just another Greek word saying thank you. So don't get too hung up on it. It's an expression of saying, Lord, you are the provider. So this young boy, he didn't see himself as being part of a problem. I mean, he, was, he wanted to be fed, but he's willing to sacrifice that sort of momentary uh, help, as it were, in relieving a bit of hunger for the better good of what God and through Jesus was going to supply. And um, he saw himself as part of the solution. So Jesus takes these loaves and the two fish, and he gives thanks and he distributes them. Now, who's got an imagination here? How do you reckon this happened? Jesus is breaking the bread and he's giving it to the disciples. The disciples are breaking the bread and giving it to people. The people, one by one, are breaking the bread and giving to each other. There's a whole lot of broken bread going on here. And every time they break the bread, it just keeps on looking like the same piece of bread all over and over and over again. So everybody was part of this miracle. Everybody was part of it. You are not alone. We are a community. You break bread, you provide, you distribute, and watch. You've heard of divine multiplication? It probably <laughs> haven't until now. But divine multiplication basically says, give it and let the Lord multiply it. We come along with our little offering with it. What is that going to help? And every time we give something back to God, we often probably say, it's only a dollar. What's it going to help? So what Jane prays and what we often do pray is, well, Lord, use this to multiply your influence through these gifts. And God knows how to multiply. So even a can of soup and loaves and fishes, Christian caring, let God take it and multiply it if you leave it. Give Jesus what you've got, and he'll give you back what you need. Did you hear that? Give Jesus what you've got, and he'll give you back what you need. Sometimes we've got so much, that we don't need it. Give it to Jesus, and he'll give you back what you need. So Jesus goes along, distributes, and there's a verse here that probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but when, when I mentioned earlier on, when Jesus does something, there's a purpose behind it. It's not just making sure 5,000 people get fed. There's much, much more behind the scenes here. And the much, much more is this. He tells them now to hand it over. Um, he hands over ownership, as it were, to the disciples. He tells them to pass it on and pass on a blessing. Remember the other day we actually did that a lot of people sort of said, well, what is that all about? But may the peace of the Lord be with you, passing on a blessing. And when they had all been blessed, and they were all filled, and God has said he's going to fill the hungry with good things, well, these people were all filled. These were, uh, there was a sign that came out of this, the sign of the Messiah, that Jesus is using this situation to show that God's kingdom had come. And Jesus says this, and I want you, for those who've got your scriptures before you, 
got a fine mind. In verse 12, Jesus said, When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Now, are we talking about the environmentally conscious Jesus here? Don't leave a mess behind after you've been for a picnic. Yeah, you're right. Take everything back with you. Don't leave a mess behind. So Jesus really worried about a lot of bread and maybe a few fish on the, on the ground out there? I don't think so. Maybe he was. I don't think so. I think those birds of the air would have said, hey, I can work with this as well. So I don't think anything would have been wasted. But there's, there's something here that you've got to see, and it's not that obvious unless you start digging deep, a little bit deeper. The word is gather together, collect and assemble the pieces that are left over. There's an abundance. The word left over here means it's not just scraps. It's the abundance of what God has provided. Gather it together. This action of picking up broken pieces basically translates back into John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. The same word is used here. Of let nothing be wasted, let nothing perish. So here's the picture. As these disciples are going around with their little bags and they're picking up pieces by pieces, they are one day going to enact the same thing, picking up the brokenhearted, gathering the people together so that none should perish. There's salvation in this story. And I believe that a lot of hungry people being fed, but there's salvation in this story. And the salvation is a picture of the broken pieces, the brokenhearted out there. And the disciples were going to be given that job going around and lifting those up who were needing it, gathering to get them together so that none should perish. Maybe a while ago it happened, Peter and John going up to the temple, and they remember they met a man lame there begging for alms. Silver and gold, don't have that, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the word is that Peter reached down hand, lifted him up. Perfect in action of going down, picking up and restoring that broken soul, restoring them back into the kingdom of God. Where did that lame man went? Straight into the temple, leaping, praising, thanking God. So there it is. What are we going to do with this? Surely Jesus knows all things. He knew these people had had a good feed. And they were wanting to make him king because, hey, if the king can keep on providing this sort of good meal, we'll put him right in, in the right place at the right time and we'll just keep on saying, Lord, keep on asking and we'll keep on, you know, keep on giving because we keep on asking. Well, Jesus, again, wants to live his life through us in such a way that when we come across these situations, we remember that he's given his life for you so he can give his life to you so they can actually live his life through you. What are we going to do next time? Are we going to remember that the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert? This is out of Deuteronomy. In the desert for 40 years, why did he do that? To humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's going to put us in situations and circumstances beyond our control. It's a test. Life's a test. 
Let's treat it in the way that Jesus knew what he had in mind to do, to test us in order to know what was in our hearts, whether or not we would keep his commands, and he humbled us, he caused us to hunger, and then he fed us with manna to teach us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Are we looking and not seeing? Well, that's what we need to pray for. Lord, show us what you want us to see. We see things, we look at things, and we do not understand. But Jesus knows what he wants to do and how he's going to teach us through these things. So have a moment, perhaps, and ask the Lord, Lord, I know perhaps that I'm walking more by faith and more by sight than by faith. I'm seeing things that are outside of my control. I believe John 6, 6 says that you already have in mind what you're going to do. I've just got to join you in that. I've got to release it to you. Anybody got a prayer like that? They want to pray before the Lord? Spend a moment in quiet, and then I'll close in prayer in a minute. Precious Father in heaven, as you look down upon us, you know each one by name. You know us better than we know ourselves, and we thank you, Lord, that that knowledge is just too wonderful for us to even understand. But that's a knowledge, Lord, that also says that you know the end from the beginning. You know what's in between, and you know where we are right now on life's journey. So, Lord, there's quite a few folk here right now, and you know them by name, and they've expressed a need before you, Lord, to would you intervene in their circumstance in such a way that we would see you glorified. Lord, we've often tried our own way. We've perhaps got that calculating mind, and we want to be in control. Forgive us, Lord, because you're the God who wants to take what we have and multiply it. So, Lord, whatever that looks like in our lives, we release it to you. And we say, Lord, give us the eyes to see you at work. Give us the joy of seeing you and recognizing you, even as our testimonies have expressed this morning as well. That when we pray to you, Lord, give us a heart of expectation that you will come to our aid. And you will, Lord, do the things that only you can do. Because as much as we can do, you've asked us to go and find certain things, perhaps, even five loaves and two fish, but we just know, Lord, that that's just not enough for you. 